0: about what to speak about this morning, I really wanted to speak um, about something to do with Christmas, because obviously we're coming into that season, and it's um, obviously a very pivotal um, season in our faith, Um, and I was um, thinking about what we could do, and I was um, thinking back to our Connect group on Wednesday night, where we talked about Christmas at the time, the celebration. And um, I was also thinking about what songs we'd be doing today. And and we talked about doing that Emmanuel song, and I uh, thought that would be really nice to talk a little bit more about what that actually means. It's more than just a name, it actually has a meaning that um, is far reaching, um, reaches far further than just that one verse where we see it in the Bible. Um, So I'm going to read Matthew 1. 22-23, 22-23, to 23, so it says all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us so um, when Matthew's talking about um, the prophet there um, he's referring back to Isaiah um, it's really interesting in this verse um, Matthew uses the phrase that it might be fulfilled and um, it's the first time we actually see that phrase used in the book of um, Matthew, but there are at least another 12 times where that phrase um, is used. So on a surface level, it can look like, um, you know, when you go for a job and there's selection criteria, and to, you know, to get that job you need to kind of fit, you, know, you might need to have good administration skills, you might need to know how to use Excel on the computer. And if you meet those, then you have the job. When you um, look at the surface level of this, it can seem like Matthew has the selection criteria and he's like, yep, Jesus ticks these things so he can have that role. But it's actually um, much um, deeper than that. It's not just Matthew um, justifying Jesus' position as saviour of the world, but it's also to show that Jesus didn't just meet these requirements, but that he was actually the fulfilment of those, When you look into um, the word fulfilled, it actually has a much richer meaning than what we would think of um, the word fulfilled. Um, so he wasn't just um, meeting these requirements, he was the fulfillment of them and also the end of an old covenant and the beginning of a new one. Um, the next thing that we see is, um, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew um, understood that um, the supernatural conception was part of what was prophesied in Isaiah 7.14. And the next thing we see is actually Emmanuel, which is what I really want to focus on today because it's it's such a cool word. (laughs) Emmanuel, the title of Jesus refers to both his deity, so he is God with us, but it's also about his identification and nearness to us as people. So he's God with us. Um, so that's what we want to focus on. So the name Emmanuel actually first um, appears in um, the Old Testament, in Isaiah 7, 14. And the verse there says simply, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. So you can see there that Matthew is actually referencing that verse. So I looked a little bit further into it because... I've been around church a very long time, but I've never actually properly looked at the context of that verse in Isaiah. It's a nice verse that we often see on Christmas cards or, you know, things at Christmas, but um, I wanted to actually know um, what it was in reference to. So that was actually part of a um, prophetic word that Isaiah um, spoke to King Ahaz of Judah. So that was the southern um, kingdom at a time when Syria and Israel, which were the northern kingdom, Um, They had formed a coalition against Assyria. Um, The prophet Isaiah counselled Ahaz not to join um, in their uprising um, against Assyria, um, who at that time were the region's greatest power. Um, And the prophet actually told him that if he did, they would not succeed. Um, He urged Ahaz to trust in the Lord rather than um, to appeal to Assyria for help um, against Syria and Israel um it's interesting I was reading I didn't want to read those verses out because it gets very confusing because there's lots of complicated to say names um, and mean it gets all the meaning gets a bit lost in that but um it's interesting that the prophet actually says to him um keep calm and do not be afraid I'm like there you go that the first time we have that keep calm and carry on <laughs> thing so um Isaiah actually... Um, invited Ahaz to ask the Lord for a sign. So God actually told Isaiah to say to Ahaz to ask for a sign and then Ahaz said, no, no, I don't want to test the Lord um, when he'd actually already determined in his heart that he was going to go against what God said. So he uh, said one thing to um, kind of hide his motive but um, his motive was that he'd already decided to go against what God had said. Um, so the unfaithful king A has um, refused and put his trust in Assyria, the which um, then we see this response from Isaiah. Here now, you house of David, is not enough? Is it not enough to try the patience of human beings? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign: the Virgin will be with the child and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. So shortly after that, Syria and Israel. Um, were soundly defeated exactly as Isaiah had prophesied. Many years later the southern kingdom of Judah was actually destroyed by Babylon and the people were taken captive. Um, so Matthew's Gospel is recalling that prophecy and applying it to the child um, who would be born of Mary, the virgin betrothed to Joseph. The sign given hundreds of years earlier to a king that um, wasn't following after God, was actually a prophecy that was meant for all of God's people. I think that's really cool that a prophecy that was given so many years earlier actually had implications far reaching, generations um, ahead. So, um, Adam Clark, who I did a little bit of reading about, who's actually a um, British um, Methodist theologian um, and preacher. Um, who lived in the late 1700s, early 1800s, said this about um, the word Emmanuel. In what sense, then, is Christ God with us? Jesus is called Emmanuel, or God with us, in his incarnation. God with us by the influences of his Holy Spirit, in the Holy Sacrament, in the preaching of his word, in private prayer. And God with us through every action of our life, that we begin, continue, and end in his name. He is God with us to comfort, enlighten, protect, and defend us in every time of temptation and trial, in the hour of death, in the day of judgment, and God with us and in us, and we with and in him to all eternity. I really like that that explanation. So if we look a little bit further at what the name Emmanuel actually means for us, it shows that God actually, how low God bent down to save men. He added the nature of one of his own um, creatures to his own divine nature, accepting the weakness, frailties, and dependency that the creature experiences. It's it's funny sometimes um, that, you know, when you think of Jesus being a baby, you don't kind of think of him being like every other baby, but he would have been like other babies. You know, he would have needed his nabby changed. He would have needed to be carried around, needed to be fed. So... That really was God bending down low. You know, God didn't have to do that, but he did because he loved us so much. It also shows um, what a miracle it was that God could actually add a human nature to his own and still remain God. It shows um, the compatibility between the unfallen human nature and the divine nature, that the two could be joined, shows that we are truly made in the image of God. I think that's really powerful. It shows that we can come to him and he, if he has come to us, then we can also come to him. You know, if he is God, could bend down low to come to us, then what can we do but bring him as people? Charles um, Spurgeon, who was a famous preacher in the 1800s, um, I was reading a little bit about him this morning as well. By the time he was 22, he was preaching to crowds of 10,000 yes. people, which is just crazy. This is a time before social media or anything like that, um, it it just blows my mind that 10,000 people would come to hear him. He was also, um, makes me laugh because you think of, um, critics of preachers being a kind of modern thing with Facebook, you know, people are quite quick to jump on Facebook and, you know, complain, point the finger at preachers, but he was actually, um, had lots of critics that would... Um, write articles about him in newspapers and write letters to the editor and things about him, it just yeah it um, made the history a bit more human for me I was reading about it, but he was also um, this is a side fact the creator of the Wordless book Um, I don't know if some of you might be familiar with it, it's an evangelistic tool Um, it's a book that just has um, five colours in it and each of the colours represents something different, but he actually um invented that. So the evangelistic tool that was invented in the 1800s is still used today. But he said of the name of Emmanuel, that if Jesus Christ be God with us, let us come to God without any question or hesitancy. Whoever you may be, you need no priest or intercessor to introduce you to God. For God has introduced himself to you. I love that right from that revelation of Christ's birth. So at this time when it says, um, this verse here, Jesus isn't even born yet. Um, this is when um, Mary... This is actually in Matthew 1, so we've just had the genealogy of Christ. Mary's found out. Joseph's finding out. So Not even born yet. Jesus isn't even born yet, and we can already see that um, God has a plan for salvation and a new covenant um, that no longer will would we need access to God through a priest at a certain time of year, but that we could freely enter into relationship with him. That's so, so powerful that right from before this baby is even born, that that um, new covenant's already been set in motion. So it has actually been said that the Bible um, can be seen as the story of God's persistent desire to dwell with his people. In Jesus, God succeeds in a unique way becoming a man in order to save the world, not from the outside, but from the inside. It's like the ultimate spy story. (laughs) (laughs) And Emmanuel God with us to rescue, redeem, and restore our relationship with him. So Christmas is the celebration of Emmanuel, God with us. God did what he said he would do. This is the, the bit that really gets me. Jesus was born. The prophets didn't labor in vain because the Messiah finally came. Maybe you've reached um, this point of the year and you're really ready for next year to start. The year's been a tough one, full of ups and what may feel like endless downs. Perhaps you aren't seeing many reasons to celebrate. Know that your hard work has not um, been forgotten. Perhaps you've had prophecies that seem like they could never come true or words from God that seem like they were given so long ago that they're dead and buried, there's no way they could come to pass know that your time is coming. Just like these prophecies that had been given hundreds of years before were coming to pass, your time is coming. After all, the good tidings of great joy at Christmas were simply this, God keeps his promises. Hallelujah. That's what I see, you know, the ultimate thing of Emmanuel. It's not just that God is with us, but it's the fact that God keeps his promises.